0: and uh, yeah great to be with you all uh, this morning. Um, I was reflecting last night with a couple of people um, from King's Church about the last time that I spoke and I think the last time that I spoke was the first Sunday of lockdown. Uh, I was down to speak and the church was in this kind of like can't meet, what we're going to do. So I remember recording my preach in our spare room on, on my tablet and then uh, uploading that and we were like really grappling with how to do meetings during Covid but Glad that we're all here together uh, today to hear God's word. So when I was asking God about what he wanted me to speak about today, um, I went through a few different things, but obviously we are looking at the subject of foundations. So we're going to talk today about how God is a family. And I think this is fundamental, it's foundational to our understanding of our own lives and what the church is um, and the kingdom in, in full. So God is a family, the eternal Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the belonging course, it was just a throwaway line, I think, in the first week, where it says, God has never been alone or operated in isolation. They are a community, they're a blueprint for how we should function and operate on as a church community. Now, when I say the word family, many of us will have some really good memories, good thoughts, good idea and vision about what family is, our own family, our wider family, our church family. Um, For some of us, we might have some bad experiences of family, maybe in our own family at times there hasn't been the best experience of family, or you might not have had the best experience at times in the church family. But ultimately, I do believe that God being a family is really important for how we understand ourselves and the church and the world around us. So, one of the first scriptures that sort of really want to look at is Genesis 1, verse 26 to 28. Um, And there's something in the Bible about the law of the first mention. So, when something is mentioned first in the Bible, usually it gives us a really good indicator about what that means to the rest of the scripture. And you can sort of interpret the rest of scripture in light of that. So, this is one of the first mentions in the Bible where God speaks about himself throughout Genesis, throughout creation. God um, is speaking, is creating the world. It's, you know, it's amazing. Um, And it says in Genesis 1, verse 26, 28, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Um, and here we see God speaking um, in plural, speaking in the collective. Um, then God said, let us. So he wasn't speaking in isolation. He was speaking Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our image. So God is the eternal Godhead, Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to get into how we understand the Trinity, because people much more experienced and academic and uh, intellectual will be able to do that much better than me. But I really want to just focus on that God is a family and we see God doing that throughout scripture. In Genesis 2 verse 18, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So God saw in himself that aspect of community and he wanted that for his people. He wanted that for Adam uh, and Eve in Genesis and then for the billions and trillions of people who he's created since then, he's always wanted them to be in community. I read an article this morning about um, there's four million people living on their own in the UK, and some of those four million people will be really, really lonely. Um, maybe their family lives far away. Maybe their family have died. Maybe you know they're really struggling, you know, at this time with heating and eating and things like that. But there's a real sense of um, People want community. They want to belong. Um, and I think we've got something to say on that as a church. You see, we are made in God's image as humans. And when we come together in the church like this and in other expressions, we can reflect the DNA of God. Um, and in recently we've been doing our belonging course, haven't we, uh, on Wednesday nights, uh, looking at what it means not only to belong as part of the global church, what it means to belong in King's Church. So, I want to ask you all a question, um, and it's not rhetorical, so feel free to shout out. What do you think it means to belong? Any ideas? Any ideas? What does it mean to belong? Shared identity. Thanks, Julianne. Yeah, that's really good. That's on my list as well, so double points for that. Okay, anything else? And you might have some of the good points that are not on my list as well. Purpose, very good, Matthew. Yeah, that is good. I've kind of got that one, but actually, you've expressed it better. One more. What does it mean to belong? So, identity, purpose, acceptance. acceptance. Yeah, yeah. Welcomed, accepted. Yeah, fantastic. So, identity, purpose, acceptance, really good stuff. So, yeah, the three things that I thought of, what does it mean to belong? To have an identity, to have a name. You know, we don't believe in being a nameless face in a crowd. We all contribute something unique. I love in the Bible how God's really interested in people's names. I mean, there's a whole book in the Old Testament called Numbers And it's basically just a whole long list of people's names in lots of detail, in in lots of sort of statistical analysis of how many people in which tribe. Um, But even in the New Testament, when Paul wrote his letters, it was always a very personal letter. And he usually gave a whole chapter um, in his letters to say hello to his friends, naming them all by name, greeting them, thanking them for what they were doing. And he thanked people who were not just in the church, but also in civic roles and doing business and... The whole community, Paul and Peter, who wrote many of the letters in the New Testament, wanted just to say hello to their friends. And I love that that got into the final canon of Scripture. So names are really important, um, and I think we all know that. So yeah, identity. Second point, I think, to be belong, it's feel at home and to be welcomed. To know what it is to belong, we should be able to feel at home, feel safe, be accepted. Um, as Jamie said, uh, and the third thing I've put is have a role. And, and be supported. In the heart of everybody, we want to contribute. We want to play our part um, and, and be um, supported um, in that, um, have a purpose. And keep on that. So, yeah, I think in the church, we want to have that sense of belonging. You know, in our families, we all have sort of memories, habits um, of, of our own family life. Um, you know, maybe that's to do with Christmas, going on holiday, I remember growing up in in my family, um, some really good sort of habits and and memories, and some that, you know, were not not as great, but just kind of part of normal family life. But some of the really positive stuff was I always remember um, my dad um, on a Sunday morning, about an hour before we all went to church, my dad disappeared off. And I always thought, where's my dad going? And for years, I was like, I never really understood it. And. um, and then he'd come back, and then, like, we'd all go to church. I was like, and then when I got a bit older, he took me with him. And what I found he was doing, he was going around, like, picking people up who couldn't get to church on their own, who were living on their own, you know, couldn't afford a car, couldn't afford to get the bus. And he picked them up, took them to church, then he came back to get me and my sister and my mum, who took a little bit longer to get ready, which is another sort of, you know, memory of family life um, that we sometimes have in our house, sort of, if I'm honest, um, so that was something that was a really good memory of family life, giving people lifts to church. And another thing that I then remember was after the meeting, we met on a Sunday morning. Um, we then would bring like a lot of those people that we gave a lift back for lunch. So most Sundays we'd always have like people around the table for a meal. Um, my mum loves to cook, um, and you know my dad used to help. And it <laughs> was a really good experience of like meeting all kinds of people, a lot of students, um, a lot of people who were kind of on the verge of homelessness, addictions, so my mum had a real sort of heart for those kind of people and I just grew up in that sort of environment and looking back it was a really good memory because it was like church in action, it was our family, our natural family, our church family reaching out to others who maybe didn't have a family to sort of draw them in. So when I was praying about today, I was thinking about, well, actually, I think in Stockport we have quite a good identity of being a community, being a family. We all know each other's names. We pray for each other. We meet during the week. We go to each other's homes. Um, So it is, I think, somewhat of a strength. But I think God was really saying to me, actually, sometimes it's good to speak to our strengths to make it stronger, to make it better. So it gives us a platform to grow and reach out to those who don't yet have that experience, either as a Christian or or not. In John 13, verse 34 to 35, it says, A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I think sometimes we think of church as a family as something that's a bit internal about pastoral side of the church, and it is that. It really is that, and that's really important. But also, I think our sense of family and our identity of that is probably one of the most powerful means of outreach and evangelism we can ever have. When Jesus said, by the way you love one another, the world will know you are my disciples, that's really outward focused, isn't it? So there is that place of supporting each other and being a community, but if we want to grow and have more people in our family, then actually that strength is part of our mission. Um, And I really believe God's going to Help us um, with that as we grow as a community. So God has always seen his church as a family. Saw that in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, um, in Thessalonians, when Paul was writing to the church. He says, now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. So it was kind of accepted that the church in Thessalonica loved one another. Great, fantastic. Um, For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. So Paul was speaking to a church that was strong in love for one another. They knew they were a family throughout Macedonia, sort of the wider area. But Paul was saying, keep doing it, but go better to do more and more. So he was speaking to a real strength of the church in the New Testament, in the early church. Um, So God wants to speak to us about something that we may have a good experience of, but we want to do it more. Um, In the Old Testament, the people of God, Israel, I think we can say they had a very up and down relationship with God. Um, Sometimes they did really well. Sometimes they completely crashed and burned and completely went away from God, created other gods, created idols. They kind of said, we don't like that God. We want our own God, this shiny God that we can see. Um, But the great thing is about Israel as God's people in the Old Testament, God never gave up on them. And they did act a bit like a naughty teenager, disruptive child, but God just stuck with them at all times. And I think it's a great illustration of God being a good father, compassionate father. He's always there for his children. And ultimately, he wanted to get them back on track. And he kept on sending kings, prophets, anybody to try and get these people back on track. And ultimately, he sent Jesus to get his people back on track, to learn from the other ways to forgive their sins and, and to be back on track with him. So yeah, going back to thinking about how God is a good father. Um, when I was growing up, um, we had a garden. We lived on a hill. So a lot of Bradford is very hilly, if you've ever been to Bradford. Manchester's like completely flat. Bradford's really hilly, which meant it very difficult to learn to drive. But that's another story I can tell at another time. Um, and we lived on a hill and in our garden... We had a greenhouse, and my dad liked to grow tomatoes, things like that. And they were quite passionate about their garden; they still are. Um, so it was quite tidy uh, and nice, which was which was great to look round, but not so good for you know a kid who wanted to play football, which was me. So we had a we had a greenhouse and a piece of grass, and the the narrative was always: don't play football on the grass because the greenhouse will get smashed, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, okay, I've got it, got it. Go and play on the driveway or on the field at the end of the road." So we had we had a school at the end of our road, which had a playing field, big area to play on. That's where you go and play football, right? Yep, yeah, got it, got it. Um, one of my friends came round one day, and we thought, "Well, just play football in the garden." And uh, we were playing football in the garden, um, and unfortunately, I got a bit excited, kicked it past my friend who was in goal, and smash. The greenhouse was was broken, two panes, not just one. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, no, smashed the greenhouse, going to get in a lot of trouble. So I went in and told him well, my dad heard, actually, and came out. But my dad was very compassionate, very gracious, did sort of say he shouldn't have been doing that. My pocket money was docked. But, um, you know, he, he was gracious and helped me to learn from the error of my ways. And we've had a few instances of things like that in our house where some of our kids like to play football in the house. And a, cake, a nice cake stand did get smashed once by, by, by one of our children. But we've, we've tried to learn from the error of some of those ways in our family. And you don't fall out as a family when something that can be replaced, it might cost a bit of money, can be replaced. And a, it's a good illustration of how God does treat us as his children, how he's treated his family throughout eternity. So I just wanted to talk a bit about um, what does it mean to belong? We've talked about that already. John 3, 13, verse 34, love one another. Right, family administration, 1 Timothy 1, verse 4 to 5. Paul writing to Timothy here, who we really saw as a son in the faith. He said, do not pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which gives rise to mere speculation rather than the furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And that, um, it says advancing God's work. Some translations call it God's economy. Um, that translation is the word, a bit of Greek now, is the word oikos. And oikos in Greek is the word family, or household, and, and in this part of Scripture, that um, administration of God, God's family, God's economy, is the Greek word oikinomoa, which is kind of broader than oikos. It's like the family household. It's like, you know, when you like buying stuff in your household, and you keep your receipts, and you keep a record of your receipts, that's like your household management. That's what oikinomoa is talking about. So it's, it's like how you run your household, the day-to-day Financial affairs um, and Paul was saying to Timothy, There is a godly way of doing that so it 's like God was saying to Timothy about the church it 's there 's a family administration, a household administration um, about the way that we run that we can reflect God in that, and we 'll all have different ways that we run our households. We might do a shopping on a certain day, we put our bins out on a certain day, we budget for our food um, We have, you know, people that come and fix stuff to keep the household going. And I think this is what God is getting at, that there's a way of doing that stuff that might seem like mundane, but actually it's really, really spiritual. Um, And that was kind of what I was involved in in King's Church for many, many years, um, and still involved a bit as a trustee. I was like the administrator. And one of the things we always had to grapple with as the administration of the church was, what do we really value? Do we really value grace? Or do we want excellence and things being done really well? Or do we want both? Um, and it always used to come home to me in the foyer of King's House most days when I was working there. Um, you'd have homeless people coming in wanting help, support, food, goes to the toilet, advice. And then you'd have a corporate client from a really, you know, posh company that's paying thousands of pounds to use our building. And they want help, and they want to know where the Wi-Fi and the toilets are. And it's like like two worlds colliding of what we were doing as a church in a nutshell. And it's like, well, how do we serve both and fulfill both people who need the church, need what we were doing? And for me, it was always like, well, we want to do both. We need grace. We need excellence. But if we want to do things well, we've got to do it from a place of grace. You can't really be fully excellent unless you start from that place of grace. And I think for me, and about how we function as a family, it's really important. So we have to have that grace to one another, know God's grace in our own lives, to be able to demonstrate that um, to the world um, around us. So can you think of some other important kingdom values that God might want for his church family? I've mentioned one, grace, but can you think of any others that just call out? So important kingdom values for a church family. Kindness, great. So grace, kindness, anything else? Sorry? Mm. Inclusion, yeah, brilliant. Compassion, yeah, fantastic. Encouragement, yeah. One more. Generosity, fantastic, yeah. So I listed... Grace, generosity, honour, service, humility, friendship, hospitality, love, compassion, honesty, sacrifice, faith, excellence. And ultimately, with all of these things, we have Jesus at the heart of it, don't we? So yes, yeah, some really good things. Um and we we try and have those values in our own families, in the church family, and, and obviously that is that is really important. Um but sometimes in, in our own families and sometimes in the church unfortunately. Um, we fall out we have different views on things we have conflicting views we have strong opinions we have introverts we have extroverts we have various roles and, and sometimes we we fall out and in our own family with Rachel and our kids we sometimes add disagreements as a family and you have to then come together and stay together don't you like in wider families you sometimes have really big falling out and hopefully you kind of have an argument, but then come back together um, and in the church we 've seen throughout history, haven't we, there has been fallings out. Um, but I think if we have the values of what it means to be a family, hopefully we can learn what it is to forgive, to be reconciled, to stay together, and ultimately you know demonstrate that and, and the Bible is as full of how god's people did fall out, but God helped them to be reconciled. Um, to get back together and to pursue what God wanted for them. Um, And I think we can still learn a lot about that. So in the body of Christ, we touched a bit on this on Wednesday at Belonging, didn't we? Body of Christ is detailed quite a lot in 1 Timothy, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 31. Um, Immediately before that, you have lots about spiritual gifts, gifts of the Spirit. Um, Immediately after that, you have love. 1 Corinthians 13, probably all been to weddings when that's read. Fantastic scripture, it really is. Um, So you have gifts of the Spirit, you have the body of Christ, you have love. And I think the the order is like really important, that you can't have um, the gifts of the Spirit without being linked into the body of Christ and love. You can't fully have the love without being linked in the body of Christ. And we're a spiritual community, so we want to see the gifts of the spirit express because we're not just like the women's institute or the working men's club down the road, however good they are, but they're not essentially spiritual communities, they're social. So we have that social community aspect. We are a spiritual community. So I, I love that in one Corinthians, how Paul just has those three important things, but we can't separate um, them all. And in the body of Christ, we all have different parts to play, don't we? Um and we've not got time to read it all. Um, but even so the body is not made of one part but of many and each part does its work I think that's the whole scripture on the screen thanks Josh Um, but yeah 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12 to 31 we encourage you to read that and at the end it says and now I'll show you the most excellent way and it goes into love Um, and I think it's really great that in families you do have different roles different things to do so again when I was growing up um, didn't have a dishwasher. They weren't that common back in the 80s. Um, if they were, they were quite expensive. So we had all these people come around for lunch on a Sunday. And then it was, you know, my dad usually took the lead to wash up. And then me and my sister, you know, we were on the drying up. That was our role. And uh, my sister never liked doing the cutlery. So I always had to do the cutlery because she's four years older than me. She kind of semi-bullied me into doing it. So that's why I don't like doing the cutlery. But basically, but it was quite good. And we used to do that every night as well. And it was quite, that was the time we get to sort of chat to my dad. Because my dad was usually out at work. And then my dad would wash up. Me and my sister would dry up and argue. She used to disappear and often talk to her boyfriend quite a lot on the phone for like half an hour, just in the middle of the washing up. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But we all had different roles in our family. And we try and do that in our house. Now, we do have a dishwasher now, you know. Thank the Lord for dishwashers. They are good. But we do try and get, like, our kids to clear the table, you know, because, you know, they should play their part in what we're doing as a family. And gen- generally, that, that works quite quite well. Um, but we all have a different role to play. You know, You know, at Christmas, we have tradition. Different people do different things. Um, our kids, like, sit in, like, the same place in the car. And that's, we're not told them to do that. They just kind of, like, have decided they're going to kind of sit. And, like... Amy and Daniel like take it in turns to sit in the front, if like you know, they can. Um, and that's kind of like something they've agreed. So there's like different roles, different things that we do in our family. And in the body of Christ, even here in Stockport, it's great that I think everybody serves and does something. So um it was really great last week. Our kids had like youth with Hannah and Elliot, and they were came home and like saying how good it was. And so we have youth work, we have kids work, we have people who wash up, we have people who do tea and coffee. Josh and and Jamie and Rachel like do worship team and you know we all play our part and in a small community like this that is vitally important um, but it's really important because if if one person didn't do some of that then the whole thing kind of doesn't quite work so when we're functioning as a family each of us having our own role and identity is is really important so the final thing I just want to talk about is that whole um, spirit of adoption so Galatians four verse four to seven I'll just read this it said. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God made you into an heir. Um, And it's a really strong identity of God's family that God has adopted us into his family, to to that place of sonship and and daughtership, our identity as children, is completely crucial to our understanding what it is to be a Christian. We're not just a number. We're not just a bum on a seat. We are a name. We are a son and a daughter in his family, and we've been spiritually adopted. It's such a powerful, powerful um, analogy. Um, We met up with my um, sister and husband a couple of weekends ago, and they've got three kids who are now all pretty grown up. um, But they've been fostering for a number of years now. um, And they just started to foster another little baby uh, called Luna. Um, And she's really cute, big brown eyes, fantastic. Um, And it's amazing that, like, this little baby who's probably gone through a pretty tough time in her life so far. She's come into my sister's household with, with her husband. And they kind of immediately see her as their own. And, like, they care for her. They look after her. I mean, she's not their own. They're looking after her on behalf of the local council for a period, and it can be up to two, three years, but usually around six months. Um, But the way you you see my sister and her husband, they kind of just throw themselves into it, and they kind of, like, adopted her. um, And that's what God's done with us. You know, God has just taken us as his own, as his own children, into his family and places us into a community um, and it just it just blows me away it's amazing that God does that um, even when we mess up even when we go away from him and do things that we know he doesn't like he still sees us as his children he never gives up on us um, and he never gives up on his church on his family as well um, if I was God I'd probably be a bit frustrated um, and you can see he does get frustrated you know you see that passion coming out in the Bible don't you um, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see God getting a little bit exasperated with his church, but he's never given up on us, and he never will, um, which I just think is amazing. So the final thing I just want to say in summary is God is a family, and we've never been alone. We are all made in his likeness, so there is that sense of being belonging, being part of a community that is in us all, and um, And we express that in different ways. Some of us, you know, are introverts, some of our extroverts, we all see that in slightly different ways. But ultimately, I think we do want to belong. When I talked about those four million people who live on their own, um, for some of those people, they'll quite like being on their own for some of the time. And that's totally fine. But we never want anybody to feel lonely in the world. And we never want anybody to feel lonely in the church. And I think that's a challenge for us all to ensure that even in a small community like this, that we're looking out for one another and ensuring that people don't feel alone, because God has never been alone, and He's expressed that throughout history and eternity. Um, we are a family, not just like a family. That was something that um, we looked at quite a lot as a church quite a few years ago. Um, there was Richard preached on it, and it was great that you know we're not just like a family. God's church is a family, with all its you know foibles and ups and downs. Um, and our family identity is really important as part of our message and our mission. By the way we love one another, the world will see that we are Christ's disciples. Um, and ultimately, God does want his family to grow. And I think the stronger we are as a family, as a community, will be part of our foundation for that. It's in the UK now, in this period, that we can be your heavenly community here on earth, loving and supporting one another being a family where we all have a role to play, we all have identity and purpose and acceptance. But Lord, we also reach out to those who don't yet know You, who are lonely, who long for that sense of community uh, and belonging. So I pray for each member here um, and those in kids' work now and those at home um, who aren't be with us today. Lord, just pray that You would speak to, continue to speak to us, and Holy Spirit, continue to move amongst us as a community and help us just be established in those values uh, and help us be the family that you want us to be for your kingdom uh, and for your glory. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. Amazing. Thanks so much, Gavin. Really wonderful word and just fits really well. with kind of what we're wanting to do really in the next month, as it's Christmas time, and I don't know, is a sense of being together as a family and just being in one another's homes, I think, yeah, just really encouraged um by that Gavin, thank you um so much, yeah, I mean, I guess we can wait for kids' to work to finish, but we can also chat with one another and have a drink and continue and put some of this into practice and but yeah thanks, thanks so much, Gavin. That's amazing.